James, the apostle, the half-brother of Jesus, the self-proclaimed slave of Jesus Christ, said, Believers in Jesus should count it all joy when going through trials because God is testing our faith and he's building into us a cheerful endurance, not just the ability to kind of hang in there and, and suck it up, but a cheerful, hopeful endurance, something that allows us to finish the race. And it's in this context that he also said that we should ask for wisdom in our trials. It's important not just to have that cheerful endurance, but ask God, Lord, what is it that I should do in this situation? What is it that I should stay away from in this situation? In asking God, right, James emphasized placing our faith in God, not in the thing that we would get from God, not as a double-minded, two-souled, two-minded kind of person, one foot in the world and one foot seemingly in the kingdom of God, not that kind of person, but asking in faith, faith in him, not as doubtful people looking for a holy handout. And so James gives us two really good examples of rejoicing in situation in two different situations really and that's where we pick up today in James chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 I'll read first in the New King James version Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now in the New Living Translation. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls. And its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. May God bless the hearing and the reading and the doing of his word. When he said, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, I wonder if James has a specific person in mind or a group of believers. I mean, there were so many poor and lowly people in the first century. Many of them found themselves at home in Christ. And even Jesus said, recorded in Matthew 26, verse 11, you have the poor with you always. The poor will always be a part of our lives, this side of heaven in this broken, fallen world. And one of the first things the first early Christians did, not out of compulsion, but in gratitude and in the fear of God, was to sell what they had in order to meet the needs of other people in the body of Christ. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 to 47, also Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. So the word lowly here, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. It's from the Greek word tapainas. And it means not rising far from the ground. It's defined as something that's not that high up off the ground. It's something that, or someone even, that's brought low with grief in some cases. Lowly in spirit. Many times this word tapainas is just translated humble. So let the humble brother, let the lowly 
brother and sister glory in his exaltation or when they're when they're lifted up we see then that being lowly doesn't always describe someone who's depressed or sad but humble right come to me jesus said in matthew matthew 11 verses 28 to 30 Come to me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, absolutely. But we can also assume that Jesus being the perfect man could laugh with the fullness of joy. He was full of the Holy Spirit without measure. We shouldn't assume that Jesus was a depressed, sad person. And that's important to understand that, again, this word lowly doesn't necessarily imply someone who's depressed or sad. It's someone who's humble. And it wasn't something to be ashamed of. It's something that we should aspire to be. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, verse 16, Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Peter and James both said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word again, tapanas. That's 1 Peter 5, 5 and James 4, 6. He said again, let the lowly brother glory let them boast or rejoice in his exaltation let the lowly brother boast and rejoice when they're lifted up we really should nurture in the body of christ right this atmosphere of humility we should encourage one another to have a humble character we should however also let our lowly brothers and sisters rejoice I mean, let them boast in the goodness of God when they're lifted up. For example, when we have a depressed brother or sister or someone that just seemingly has the blues and they're frequently down, downcast, man, or maybe they're physically sick. When they have a great day or a great week, let them be excited about that. Don't be negative around them. Don't take that away from them. Let them boast in that moment. Let them boast in that day or in that week. When that private first class is promoted to Lance Corporal, shoot, man, when that private is promoted to private first class, make it a big deal. That person who's so low on the pay scale, right? Let them be glad in that. Rejoice in that. Don't one-up them, Gunny. Don't one-up them. And on that note, when your younger sibling achieves some sort of goal that you think is small and, and insignificant, rejoice with them. Don't one-up them because they're six and you're 15 and you think that their achievement is just so minuscule and meaningless. Don't do that to them. Rejoice with them. God has lifted them up. He's helped them to go to the next level, to be promoted to the next rank, or to just have a great day when they're usually down in the dumps. When that humble brother or sister gets recognized for their hard work and for their accomplishments, don't take that away from them. Remember, all of this is in context of verse 2 when he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces that cheerful, hopeful endurance that we have. When we go through trials, that means that we're going through things that put our faith to the test. It's an experiment. It's to prove us. It's, sometimes that word trial, again, it means temptation, literally translated temptation. When we go through that, rejoice. It doesn't mean when we cave to temptation, but when we fall into different situations where we're tempted. And so when the lowly brother's faith is tested and tempted but found faithful, God's going to bless them. And they're going to rejoice in that. At least they should. And so let them rejoice. Be happy with them. Boast with them. God is doing something in their life. That's not necessarily prideful. It's not necessarily arrogant. Listen, the truly lowly person knows the blessing is from the Lord. The truly lowly person, that person who's, who's truly humble and lowly in spirit, like Jesus, knows the blessing is from the Lord. They're not going to try to take all the credit and the glory. They know that belongs to the Lord and let them rejoice in that. Let them boast in that. But the rich, he says in verse 10, but the rich in his humiliation. We should add the word rejoice after the word rich there, right? Because it's all in the context of rejoicing when you're low. And in this case, uh, you know, rejoicing when we're lifted up. In this case, rejoicing when we're brought low. The rich should rejoice in his humiliation because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Well, just as I shared the word lowly, tapainas, we have... This word humiliation, which is tapinosis, which is like taponosis, it means to be brought low, to make something low. It's not sinful to be wealthy. It's not sinful to be to be rich, but it is sinful to be arrogant and prideful and forgetful that our resources come from God who provides the means and the money. Sin lies in the tendency, it's rooted in a tendency to love other things more than we love God. It's, in this case, sin is rooted in the tendency to love money and to depend on our wealth more than God who provided it. God may very well allow the rich and the greedy and anyone else, for that matter, who depends on their resources or idols to, more than God to be humiliated. To, to be brought low. God may make us low. And he says, when we're brought low, in the context here, when the rich person, leaning on their resources, trusting in their wealth, when God humbles them, when he brings them low, that person should rejoice. Praise God for that. I'll share why in a minute. With regard to... To riches, Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10, he said, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Godliness with contentment, that is really something 
to long for. That's something to, that's gains. If you're looking for gains, man, godliness with contentment, that is a great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We're going to take nothing out with us except maybe our relationships, right? But having food and clothing, being content with these things, Paul says, that's, that's really, that's life living, man. And those who want to be rich, they fall into temptation and there's a snare, there's a trap waiting for them, man. And there's so many foolish and harmful lusts and desires that will drown men in destruction. It'll kill you. It will choke you out. And listen, he says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Kinds of is in italics in the New King James Bible. That tells me that that word is not in the original text. So this verse could be read in verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all evil. I think what should be emphasized here is for the love of dot, dot, dot. It could be written for the love of pleasure is a root of all evil. For the love of my spouse more than I love God is a root of all evil. For the love of you know, fill in the blank. Whatever we love more than we love God is a root of all kinds of evil. The fact that we would love anything else with all of our heart and soul, mind and strength, more than we would love God is to break the first and greatest commandment. And that will pierce us through. It will choke us out. And so here in the context of James, the rich brother should rejoice when brought to a lowly attitude of gratitude. How is that even possible? Why would that rich brother rejoice when humiliated, maybe losing it all? Why should he rejoice? Here's a good reason right here, man. Just the simple fact that that person can boast in God's goodness for providing them a reality check. A real wake-up call that all of their hope at one point was perhaps wrapped up in that dollar and getting one more dollar or an X amount of dollars in their bank account or in their pocket or their wallet, their purse, whatever. James said he follows that in verse 11. He quantifies it. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat. It's like when the sun comes up, it withers the grass, man. That nice green grass, it, it will eventually dry up. The flowers that grow on it, they will fall. And the beauty of that flower, its appearance, it perishes. It will go away. Just, again, reflecting on that New Living Translation. Those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field, man. The hot sun rises, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God loves those who claim the name of Jesus Christ too much to be caught away with things that wither like grass, with things that fail and fall away and perish, only to result in, the, in that man or woman fading away forever. He loves us too much, man, to allow us to get caught up in those riches. And if need be, he may allow us to lose it all. Here's the other thing. I think if God knows that we can handle riches, he'll allow us to have the riches. He knows that we'll give it away. He knows that we'll hold it loosely. And that enemy will come in too and try to tempt us and, oh, like Job, 
He just loves you because of that hedge of protection you put around him or the stuff that you give him. And the Lord's like, okay, watch this. It's, it's very likely that James saw firsthand rich people caught up in their money to the point that they neglected their own souls. I mean, he knew, James knew that it didn't have to be that way. And so he concluded it was better to be humble than to be humbled by God. It was better to be humble than to be humbled by God. We ought to find our hope and our riches and our value in God. By way of application, first thing I would suggest for you and me is that we ought to rejoice in the Lord when he lifts us up. Rejoice in the Lord when he lifts us up, man. It's a blessing to be recognized, to be promoted, to be vindicated and and made capable of achieving something worthwhile. I mean, God does that in us. And so when we've gone through that trial, right? And when we've got as low as we can go and we've been tried and found faithful, it feels good. We can boast in that, man. It gives us room for boasting in God who made it possible in the first place. He can allow us to get so low. Like when we get in that prone position, would you rather be shooting in the standing or the kneeling position? Well, if you're not on the move, you should at least take a knee. But if you can, make yourself so small, you lay down and get in that prone position, you make yourself an even smaller target. And I think that's another you know way of saying something that James will eventually say or something we'll eventually read as we get to it in James that you know we draw near to God and he'll draw near to us resist the devil and he will flee from us he'll leave us I think when we get when we get as low as we can and we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves and in arrogance and pride it seems to me that that enemy will sometimes go and try to beat up on on the others who are just kind of easy catches, easy prey. Man. I don't know. I mean, it might it might be um, premature for me to say that because there are just so many different circumstances and situations and people. I think the enemy hates our guts and will try to take advantage of every kind of person. But ultimately what I'm trying to say is rejoice in the Lord when he lifts you up. Get low. Get in the prone, man. Get in the best position you can be to serve God and other people. And, and I think God will lift you up. And when he does, just praise God in that. Praise the Lord. Exalt him. Lift his name up. Let others know that he's smiling on you and he's been good to you. The other thing is rejoice when the Lord puts you down. It's easy when the Lord lifts us up, right? To praise him, well, we need to rejoice. We need to boast in him when he teaches us humility. In hindsight, Whatever it is that we've just gone through, it will be a blessing to us. We'll be able to boast in God who provided that wake-up call. I thank God for the wake-up calls he's given me in my life, where he's humbled me. And sometimes we might have too much. Our faith, when we place our faith in our stuff, in our positions, in our badges in our rank in our qualifications whatever it is that we might think that makes us so wonderful man when we cling to those things and we don't cling to God like we did when we were poor and lowly God may allow us to be humble 
He may do that to save our souls and to give us an inheritance that won't wither or fail or fall or fade away. So first, rejoice in the Lord when he lifts you up. Second, rejoice in the Lord when he puts you down. Thirdly, remember that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart, but he is also a holy God. He would rather we know him as Lord and Savior, right? That we would know him as the one who bore our judgment on himself than to know him as judge, awaiting judgment on ourselves apart from Christ. You don't want to be found in that position. And so regarding himself as the chief cornerstone, Jesus said this of himself in Matthew 21, verse 44, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Whoever falls on the rock of Jesus, yeah, you'll be broken, man. If you can be humble enough to come to Jesus and be broken on him, as the psalmist says, the Lord loves the person who has a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That spirit and heart that's in a position of, heal me, Lord, make me better. Fall on Jesus, you'll be broken, but on whomever it falls, if Jesus falls on you, he will grind you to powder. If he has no other choice but to interact with you, as judge, and you the guilty, he will grind you to powder. Absolutely. It's better to be humble than it is to be humbled. So help us, God. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us, Lord, that it's okay to glory in you. It's okay to rejoice, to boast in you when we are lifted up. If we've been lowly and we've got as low as we could be and you've just chosen to smile on us and promote us, thank you for that. Thank you also, Lord, for humbling us when we've needed that wake-up call for you to just put your hands on our shoulders and shake us a little bit and look us in the eyes and say, wake up. Maybe it came with a loss. Maybe it came with some sort of humiliation. But we thank you for those times, for sparing us and putting our hope and our faith in you because you won't wither or fail or perish or fade away and you don't want us to do that either. So thank you, Lord, for the cross of Christ and for the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord. We come to you, Lord, you're gentle and lowly in heart. Thank you, Lord, for getting so low, for being so humble, finding yourself in the appearance as a man, you humbled yourself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for just helping us to be in a right relationship with you, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. Love you. Praise you. Thank you so much for your always reliable word of God. Amen.